Welcome to Forging Flame, a podcast all about the creative process. My name is Ryan Selleck. And I am Nick Hinton. And today we're talking about suicide. Yeah, a little bit heavier (laughs) subject matter than our typical fodder, as it were. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes because... Typically, I mean, you know, while we definitely dive into some some deeper territory with some of our guests and and aren't afraid of doing so, uh, you know, we try and keep it, uh, you know, laced with levity. And hopefully you're okay with us doing that here, too, because, you know, sometimes the the gallows humor gets gets the best of us. Oh, yeah. That's honestly I've I've been to been to too many funerals for young people and even in those scenarios i i just can't help myself but but cope with with making some of the most inappropriate jokes like i there's a part of me that's like whoa man i can't believe you said that but at the same time you know the the sense of release i get from from being able to kind of move about that space in such a manner really helps me you know move past it and uh, one, one loss that Nick and I share in common is our good buddy, Kurt Lowry, who died in a motorcycle accident in 2017. And um, man, everybody at his funeral were cracking jokes and telling their favorite Kurt stories. And yeah. honestly, that's the way he would have wanted it. You know, oh, he yeah. wouldn't want people in there overly sad about his death. He would have wanted people to to have a good time. And I can I, I can hear him say that in my head right now in his patented Kurt laugh. Oh yeah. Um, I, that was, it was ringing throughout my ears almost the whole time we were there and <laughs> yeah. it's already like, this is, everyone is going to see in this episode what a weepy fucking baby I am because <laughs> I, I am, I've always been a super emotional person and it doesn't take much to set me off. And, uh, you know, uh, having a bunch of daughters doesn't help that. And I'll, I'll cry at the drop of a hat and I guarantee it's going to happen today because thinking about Kurt has already got me kind of up in my feels, but it's okay. It's okay to have feelings and express them. Not if you're a guy, if you're a guy, don't have any feelings, shove them down and, um, just lash out in anger. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's the most appropriate response to, um, adversity is uh, <laughs> hyper aggressive retaliation yes. and spreading that pain bubble as far and wide as you can because it doesn't hurt right unless it hurts others too. That's right. If there's anything you take away, that's that's it. But so I had the idea to do a do an episode about suicide just because it's the darkness is such a common theme with creatives like a lot of creatives they tend to be really troubled tend to have um deep rooted emotional problems which kind of tends to lead them in the direction of creativity sure but i had the idea to kind of cover this territory i we should be up front and say that we are not doctors we are not (laughs) psychiatrists and if you are experiencing some rough times the best sort of toilet's still running <laughs> i i turned the toilet off it's gonna run periodically because i'm not getting up to do anything about it so when you hear that just uh consider it a little texture to the uh to the forging flame experience today yeah we're I here in to. my messy garage and there may be children there may be an air conditioner there may be a running toilet going there may on. be a dog barking mm-hmm. a fire truck zooming past as one of yeah. my elderly neighbors needs 
assistance? Uh, just probably a pat on the back, <laughs> given the frequency of these such visits and two specific residences. Usually, I think it's probably just like a little bit of reassurance that they need rather than any legitimate emergency assistance. Right. <laughs> and, so. and also, let me just say that I deeply and truly hope that is the case yeah. because I don't wish ill of any of them. Right. So, again, we're not doctors. We're not psychiatrists. You should probably seek help if you're experiencing anything. But the, the reason I wanted to cover this is because I just wanted to kind of share my perspective and my experiences on the thing. But it also happens to be Suicide Awareness Week. So, in case you aren't aware, suicide's a thing. It is a thing. I, I think these awareness days and weeks are, are kind of silly sometimes. Really, I think it should be called Mental Illness Awareness Week or something like that. Like, because of course they're suicide. <laughs> like, that's not the problem. The problem right. isn't people killing themselves. The problem is people struggling with these deep rooted issues and not knowing how to cope with it and feeling disconnected from the people that love them. So, sure. um, if it's okay with you, Nick, I'd like to start with something that I read online some time ago. Okay. Um, this is, um, uh, I mean, full disclosure, man. Um, I've definitely struggled with suicidal thoughts myself and it's, it's gotten real dark and it's one of those things that if I'm not careful about the way that I manage it, it can be a very slippery slope and it can lead me into a very dark place. And it's not the kind of thing that I really like talking about because I don't like to bum everybody out. I don't like to, you know, uh, you know, bring my friends down. I don't like people worrying about me, all of those things, but it is, it's a, it's a fairly frequent issue that I've had ever since like adolescence. It's been a, an ongoing thing, but, um, I think, um, starting off, uh, starting us off kind of spinning in the right direction is, uh, something that I found on Tumblr several years ago that completely reframed the way that I thought about suicidal thoughts, because, when I first experienced it, I, I think what probably most people that experience it think, and that's like, oh, wow, I must be completely broken and completely fucked up and, and you know, beyond repair. And that makes everything so much worse when you go down that road. But reframing it can help you see things in, you know, just a little bit different of a perspective that may help, uh, you know. I think perspective is huge, you know, because if it's all like wanting to die and darkness and nothing's even worth the effort, then, then that's all the universe is. But if your perspective is wider than that, then you can sort of effectively compartmentalize it a little bit. Right. And perspective absolutely influences the, the reality of the reality that you're, that you're moving through day to day. And unfortunately there are some decisions we can make as it pertains to, our perceived reality that come with more finality than, than what we might truly on just a, just a totally different day or even, you know, a few short hours after the, you know, the most intense waves of what it is that you're experiencing, you know, might, might not be what, what, you know, what you would otherwise be, uh, getting after. So, yeah. I mean, life, life is always full of possibility, but one, one of the things you experience, especially when you have somebody close to you die is the, the exactly the word you use, the, the finality of death. The, yeah. Like that's like really the only permanence that we have is when we lose somebody, man, they're, you know, they're really gone. Like what's yeah. left of them is basically 
uh, literally what they physically left behind and what they kind of left behind in our memories and everything. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like you're never going to see that person again. Um, it's, 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 it's a done deal. No, you know, no backing up, no control Z, no undo. Like it's, um, never ever again. Yeah. And that's, that's painful. But, um, so I wanted to read this thing. It was, it was a blog and, um, it's by a guy named Jeff Foster. I don't know who he is. I hope he's a good guy. He, uh, he wrote this thing. It's a little new agey. Um, this thing is awesome. I've never looked into any of his other work, but apparently he does other kinds of stuff like this. And I found it on Tumblr some time ago and I've shared it a few times, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. So he titled it understanding the urge to die. I spent the first 23 years of my life wanting to die. And here is what I discovered. The urge to die is the urge to live in disguise. The urge to die is the urge to disappear as a separate self, to vanish into the vastness of being, to rest deeply as we have never rested before. It is the wave longing to return to the ocean, forgetting that it was never divided from the ocean in the first place. An innocent mistake easily corrected with a little investigation. The urge to die is not negative, sick, dark or sinful, but it is deeply, deeply misunderstood. That's for sure. We ignore the urge, push it away, hide it, medicate it, keep it a secret, try to numb ourselves or even philosophize it away. But when acknowledged, honored, listened to even the suicidal urge, the urge to shed our false skin contains infinite intelligence. All feelings do for secretly the urge to die is the urge to awaken, to come alive, to stop identifying as a separate body-mind, to remember our original nature, vast and free. It is the urge to shed the false me, ego, self, person, to stop pretending to be something we are not, to let go all that is secondhand and inauthentic, and to live, to really live fearless and free as consciousness itself, full of life and potential and cosmic creativity. The urge to die is not our enemy. It is not to be annihilated and not to be feared. It contains a profound message of awakening and change. It says, shouts, screams, you are not limited to what you think you are. You are a child of the universe. Remember, deserving of all its riches. Only the false can die and you cannot be false. Can we hear its call? Can we listen? Really listen? The wave cannot return to the ocean, cannot get home. It was never divided from its home in the first place. You are already oceanic, friend, and the true suicide is not stopping of the body-mind, but of remembrance of your original and unblemished nature, here and now, beyond the ravishes of time. Live, 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 nothing to lose. That last line was all caps in there. <laughs> Bro. So... That to me was powerful because it reframed it in my head. It, it was like, not like when I'm experiencing these states, it's not like I was, I wasn't, you know, typically I'm taking it as like, man, I'm, I'm broken. I'm fucked up. But like yeah. looking at it in this way, just, just that little bit, the urge to die is the urge to live in disguise. And I'm just like, that's absolutely it. It's not, it's not that I want to die. It's that like these circumstances are so, so defeating and so overwhelming that I just want to live, you know, I really want to live, but I feel like that's an option. So the alternative is I want to die. <laughs> so sorry to get you choked up so no, early. No, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's sorrowful in a way, um, but also completely inspiring. And 
and beautiful on a lot of levels. And uh, it's something he he said so much, and I should have been I should have been taking notes, but I was so caught up in in just what was happening. But something, and I, I don't remember the specific line, but um, but the lack of remembering the the purest form. And, you know, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of, uh, experiences where I spent a great deal of time pondering things like these. And I would certainly say that those experiences have influenced the, the level of comfort that I currently feel with the notion of death, you know, at least as it relates to my own existence, um, whatever that even means. Right. But, uh, but that that purest self it 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 makes me think about a a newborn human child and truly i mean it's it's a it's a it's a tabula rasa situation it's a totally blank slate ready to be imprinted upon a new a new human and there is there is nothing but nothing but but pure, clean energy coursing through those those brand new bundles of life, and it's and it's really like being being super close to um, that moment of of birthing. It it really paints a kind of a kind of a like a really psychedelic sort of a picture. Um, mm-hmm. It just gives you this this weirdly like fractalized. Um, uh, like telescopic view of, of kind of the, the cycle of things, you know, death and life and those being so closely related. I mean, that's, that's like the, that's the thinnest pancake of, you know, of, of two different things occupying the exact same space and going from a point of utter purity where there is simply no possible way for a being to do something that is wrong. And I think about this a lot just because, you know, I am a father, but, but as you traverse through life and, and the more understanding you have, or think you have the more external influence you are, um, unfortunately kind of forced to take on, whether that's interpersonally, I've got a, a middle schooler and like I've seen, I've seen the way that just occupying the same space as a large amount of children that in that age group has an impact on things like self-esteem and confidence. Those are, you know, those are, those are unfortunate scuff marks on what is still at its core, a, a pure and unblemished thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we just kind of accumulate these layers and layers and layers, almost like rings in a tree as we get older. And unfortunately, some of those are really, really hard earned. And it can be really easy, especially if you've experienced a lot of those scuff marks. And and I know that at certain periods of my life, I absolutely have when I was much younger. And I know I know that you and in, in several ways have as well. And And that's not dissimilar from really anyone but certainly that's a spectrum like anything else. And some people have a much harder go of it than others. And when, you know, when that like perfectly glowing, like pure, uh, golden, you know, sphere, that like crystal ball of like magic that 
comprises the human life force when that's just kind of enshrouded by like the muck that we can so easily acquire, like just by living or trying to it's, it's no wonder how, you know, how people can lose sight of that and get to get to that, that darkness of a place. But God damn, I love feeling like I'm part of the ocean. And it's so <laughs> nice to get reminders of that. Yeah. It's, it's easily to forget. And, and you used a, a really good metaphor, um, in one of our conversations, um, some time ago, we were talking about a similar thing. Mm. Uh, you, you use the, the analogy of like a brand new iPhone, you know, and then as you go on, mm. you're accumulating cookies and apps and stuff. And eventually it just starts running like shit, you know, yeah. um, it loses that sense of purity in there. But I would say the purity in this sense is really just the, the electricity that powers it. You know, it's the, like the energy that makes everything work in there. Um, but it starts compiling things that just kind of get in the way that, that dull that light that, uh, reduce its efficacy. Um, that door sounds open. Um, <laughs> but, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm very, uh, very ADD. So when I hear stuff <laughs> like that, it immediately, I'm like, Oh, oh the toilet's running again. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, another reason I wanted to do this episode is because one of my little brother's good friends recently committed suicide. And I know that that's been hard on a lot of people on, you know, for sure the guy's family, but it's been hard on my little brother as well. And, um, and it's, it's rough. It's a weird thing for a human to take their own life. It's, a it's, uh, such a permanent solution for what most people experience as temporary problems, you know, it's temporary states. And that is a, the most permanent solution that you can do for anything. But, um, and, and I, I didn't want this to be one of those things that it's like, well, if you're having suicidal thoughts, you should call the hotline. You should get help. You should no, man. I totally appreciate how goddamn difficult it is to get help because yeah. for one, um, when you're in this state, I'm not talking about just having a suicidal thought. I mean, when you go down that rabbit hole and you're so far down that you can't fucking move anymore, like one of the things that makes it so difficult is the reality that this is a disease of will. So asking somebody to do somebody, uh, do something when they are experiencing a disease of will is kind of counterintuitive like it's like telling a guy with a broken leg it's like dude just fucking walk what the fuck's your problem <laughs> like um one of my experiences was like was years ago i think this was around the time i got my master's degree that was devastating to me because like i just realized that i had dug myself a huge hole for this thing that i didn't really want and um around that time i did seek help and i was very open about it and i I called the the psychiatrist's office. I wish I could have their name because I want to put them on blast for being such fucks. But um, <laughs> they uh, they so I called them up and I told them what was going on. I was just like, I'm depressed. I'm uh, have anxiety. I'm having very 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 frequent suicidal thoughts, and it's and it's it's disrupting everything I, I have going in my life. And they're like, okay, we can get you in in uh, six weeks. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> Well, fuck, like I, there's, I mean, there's no alternative right now. It's either that or nothing. So I guess six weeks is a long fucking time right now. Three days is a long time. Six fucking weeks. You kidding me? Six weeks go by. 
the day before my appointment, they canceled on me. Ooh. And they canceled in a, in a voicemail. And I called them back. And I'm like, okay, when can you get me back in? We can get you in in four weeks. And I'm like, fuck off. Like, I, I just... I I think I hung up on him and then like I think I called back and left a really shitty voicemail for the for the doctor himself just because I was in a bad state and like you know as a person that has a lot of experience with customer service and knowing how so many things go wrong I'm not that guy I'm not the guy like if some if the server fucks something up in a restaurant I am not going to give them shit I'm still going to be the nicest person ever and I'm still going to tip them heavy unless they're a total asshole to me like it takes a lot for me to to be a dick to a public servant of some kind. But in this case, I was fucking livid. And I'm just like, it, it's it's almost like they secretly wanted me to die. It was just like, they're like, no, let's let's, let's see how far this goes. Uh, and it's, well, it's got to be hard to not entertain that thought, right? Like being on that end of it, like it, it, what better way to, to, to let someone who's going through some shit, like know that you don't care about their existence. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, dude, if I was a psychiatrist and, uh, you know, I can't say for sure because I'm not, but like if, if somebody like had some kind of issue like that, like, and I had the time I would make it, you know what I mean? But right. then again, they, they probably experienced so many, uh, you know, loony people that they, they probably like anything else, they get kind of callous to it. You know, they get sure. to the point where it's just like, these aren't even fucking people anymore. Um, and uh, you know, there's, there's absolutely an argument, right. For things like drawing professional boundaries, you know, especially when you're dealing with people who are potentially very, very unwell and not just a danger to themselves, but right. also to others, which, which is a very real and, and, you know, legitimate concern. Right. But, but at the same time, the, it, it can't be when we're talking about something that is rooted in emotion, because that's what it is. It can't be as cold as what you just described. Right. There, there needs to be some level of care and, and ideally like in a perfect world, right? Like any interaction with other human beings, there should be some level of care or at least basic human respect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> capitalism's a motherfucker sometimes, uh, I, I guess. I guess, man. And they never called me back either. Yeah. Like after that, they they never called to check on me. Nothing like that. Um, so I, I, I just I, I appreciate a how difficult it is to get like solid help. And B, just to make that decision to take that step to get help, even like the suicide hotline, it's like super simple. You just call it on your phone. There's even services that you can text. And that's, yeah. that's cool. I'm glad those things are, are a thing. And if you can, absolutely do that because these people will help you reframe things a little bit. And that's great. But I get how difficult that is. So. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell somebody that's going, just get help. Like I hear that all the time and it, it, like, it makes me cringe every time. Like, I think it's, I think it's more important for people to just kind of be in tune with the people that they know in their surroundings. And if they see somebody struggling in a way that's like really heavy like that for them to reach out, because that can make a huge difference. And you are still well within your, your, your power as a person to do that so you absolutely should but but yeah you know i mean it's it's not a direct parallel to like 
giving a junkie heroin and telling them not to use it, but it's not <laughs> too far from that. Like, like tell them not to use it, but then also say, no, I'm not giving you this heroin, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, and, you know, by the same token, hopefully, hopefully at a certain point, you know, someone who chronically experiences those sorts of dark thoughts and just to share a bit about myself, it's not, it's not the sort of thing that I've ever been really even that honest with myself about up until very recently. Um, but looking back at just a timeline and, and I can't really say, you know, how legitimately close I've ever gotten to the act of committing suicide. I would say probably not, not very. Um, but there have been times in my life where for a very extended period of time, that seemed like maybe not the best option, but far too plausible an option. Um, and, and, you know, there were, there were definitely periods in my life that, uh, that that was the, the furthest thing from my mind. Uh, and as is generally the case when things are going good, but shit happens. Right. And like, sometimes it's, it's easier to, you know, to navigate through than others. But I mean, I personally dealt with, you know, well beyond all the, you know, all the, the, the teenage stuff, um, all the deep, you know, familial and like trauma related issues that, that teenagers often like feel strongest, uh, you know, from, from their pasts, um, uh, probably phrased that like half an idiot, but so, sorry, hopefully you understand <laughs> what I was saying there, but, but as an adult, as a, as a somewhat responsible and fairly mature in most cases, uh, adult, um, I dealt with the loss of a business. I launched a business. Things went really, really well. And, uh, was riding a, an extreme high for a long, long time. Um, and then, uh, just due to circumstance had to completely shut that down. And that coupled with the fact that that was my full-time job and that's how I was supporting my family and, uh, dealing with shitty, like slum lordy landlords at the time. Um, you know, lots and lots of things, can lead to, especially for someone who kind of has a lot of chronic, um, chronic issues with, uh, like self-worth. Um, I'm, I tend to be in my darkest and most private moments. I tend to be someone who does a lot of mental self-flagellation. Um, it's not a good thing. It's something that I every single day have to try and, and work against when, you know, things are less than ideal. Um, because I recognize all too clearly that things are often least ideal as a result of my own bad decision-making, you know, uh, I, <laughs> some, something, you know, something gets disconnected, which thankfully hasn't happened in a real long time, but you know, in the, in the past, like money management issues, stuff like that, you know, there's, there's a lot of different reasons why issues happen that can be traced back to something like a decision that you have made. And I, in those moments, just, just, punch and punch and punch. And it gets, it gets art ugly and, and dark. Um, and most recently, you know, even, uh, 
having to deal with a <laughs> having to deal with like a uh, a wage garnishment as a result of the aforementioned like slumlordy just total total bullshit scenario. But my go to from there was like to lose an entire night sleeping, uh, fantasizing way too intimately and and purely that it was it was it was bordering on extreme desire. Um, the the most uh, over the top um, ways that I could you know roll into the office of this place and and g- commit like like a a really heinous act of of like protest based suicide and like you know that's a really you know kind of a petty and ugly thing to feel but it didn't change how how. <laughs> how it felt in the moment for me, how, Mm -hmm. how much it almost felt like a need on some level, because I just didn't know how else to, to process the information that I'd been given. But luckily based on being able to, to recognize that sort of timeline of dark thinking and, and just how delicious for lack of a better term, um, the notion of committing suicide has felt at some of those darker points, I was able to, to recognize I do not want to feel this way for any duration of time. I have, I have goals. I have people that, that I need to be people that I'm obligated to my wife, my children, the other people in my lives that love me, Ryan, you know, (laughs) because I have experienced through, you know, through experiences like what we had with our buddy, Kurt, through what we had with our buddy Zane, we've experienced that finality. And I don't want to be the source of that for anyone. Not mm-hmm. until, not until I'm more satisfied with what I've accomplished up to this point. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to like, wicked. it was like, all right, I made it. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> hey, sorry. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, gallows humor. So there's something to be said for going out on top. Right. <laughs> but the, the point is, Luckily for me, I feel like I had processed those sorts of thoughts enough in the past that I was able to very, very quickly reach out to someone who could offer some resources that were beneficial and say, I need help without getting too like specific into detail. Like, hey, I'm in a really, really dark place and any direction you can point me would be really helpful. And luckily I was greeted with some human, you know, kindness and, and warmness, unlike what you dealt with. But, you know, that I, I, I can't say for certain whether or not that truly saved my life. But God damn it, if it didn't feel like it in that moment. And even just the act of of asking for help was was so purifying to to a large sixty solid percent of those ugly, ugly feelings, you know, but so while, while it is up to, up to us as the loved ones of other human beings to be aware and, and, and reach out when it seems like something is off, you know, if, if you do have anything within yourself that, that says, but what about that other shit that I was going to do? Or like, what about so-and-so if you feel that and you can be present enough to recognize it, fucking just use that moment, man, to like dive above water and just like try and grab at the rope. And even if you miss it, 
you know, at, at, at least you, you, you know, you, you made some sort of forward effort. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's something you can hang on to. Cause it, I mean, it, still, if you, if you are experiencing something like that, I mean, you know, while it may seem like it's out of your power to really help it in a lot of ways, it's still your responsibility, you know, like sure. you, you have to, your responsibility as a human is to look after your, yourself first and foremost, you have yeah. to survive. You have yeah. to, you know, satiate your, your basic needs as a human. And one of those needs is tending to your, your mental well-being and, um, like I mentioned before, it's a very, it's a very seductive thought and like, it's, it's kind of, it's weird for me because I have the thought it's, it would, it's weird if a week goes by and I don't have a suicidal thought and that's not necessarily out of some like, you know, like some kind of brokenness of my nature or whatever. I mean, um, there are elements of that, but I mean, I, I at least recognize at this point that if I keep thinking about that, if I keep going back to it and I keep revisiting it and like it, it'll just, it'll start to become habitual, you know, and then it just, then it spins out of control and I can't stop it. You yeah. know, um, those first few times, if you can be aware enough, just like you said, to, to be present enough to understand what just happened there is just like, Whoa, I, I just thought about that. Um, you should you should definitely take that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, to it's, it's like steer clear of that because there's there's no good place that goes. It's not going to sure. help you feel better in the moment. You know, it's it's just a fucking black hole. Yeah, and like it 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 literally takes you know like three seconds to send a text message, right? So if if you're if if your your moment of presence, you know, is is even that short lived, like you know i you know and it's 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 such a such a a hard thing to even try and navigate discussing right like mm-hmm. this this is i knew i knew this one was going to be a doozy for us and it's certainly you know it's certainly a lot even you know even already um but, i'm having a great time oh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> a, real, a real humdinger this one but uh god you know and 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 also just to, to tag on to you know to Ryan's disclaimer from earlier, nothing that we say should ever be taken in lieu of, of legitimate professional advice. But sometimes that doesn't seem like an option. And sometimes when you're in the darkest of those places, anything that feels like work or effort is fucking out of the question. Yeah, yeah for sure. So, you know, whatever, whatever extra reinforcement could be added to the signal of, Hey, let's think about this. Let's talk about this. Let's make this less of a weird thing to talk about or bring awareness to, or be comfortable sharing with our loved ones. Like, yeah, that's what I want to see out of this whole like awareness week. Like everybody fucking knows it's a thing. It's month, by the way, it's it's month. Are you sure? I looked it up and it said week. Really? Yeah, because I thought it was month. Shit, and maybe I I'm wrong, but I've seen I've seen month everywhere that I've looked. Yeah, it's usually months. I mean, that's, that's a long time to again. think about suicide. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> but it's um, yeah, we're all going to be sad at the end of this month. <laughs> yeah, that that's really what I would like to see out of it because everybody knows it's a thing. But even even the people that have been hurt the most about it, like a lot of them, still don't want to talk about that yeah. kind of thing. And the people that are suffering the most about it don't want to talk about it. Like. It's, 
it's a motherfucker. Like I yeah. would just like to see it just like less of a stigma because yeah. more often than not, when somebody is experiencing something, they're treated like they are a burden, you know, like they're treated like, Oh God, fucking get it together already. Like what the fuck's wrong with you? Like that, that's not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really so far, man, we've only even talked about like more of the, more of the purely emotional and experiential side of, of this issue. But there's also a, a really, really large percentage of people who commit suicide that are doing so because of things like physical trauma. And I don't mean, yeah. I don't mean of a, you know, of like a, like an ab- abuse related nature. I mean, things like head injuries, CTE. Mm-hmm. I mean, people who uh, have, have been in the military and just been too near like heavy concussive, you know, impacts of, of explosives or whatever firearms, boxers, football players, a lot of these fucking people are committing suicide, professional wrestlers, uh, Chris Benoit, Jesus Christ, like that whole story and the Mm -hmm. fun conspiracy attached, if that's your, your skis, but that whole story, I mean, it's all, it's all tragic and stigmatizing something like physical injury is just batshit. Mm -hmm. But, but really that's, that's, that's kind of in the, in the same place because, those people who have experienced those things are going through a similar, from what I understand, at least not having gone through, you know, a a debilitating head injury along those lines, but, but those people are going through a similar emotional chain. It's just chemically because of the physical damage. That's, that's, you know, that's just where they're at. Mm -hmm. And it's not any easier to talk about for, for the, for those people, unless they have, themselves, you know, been, been given the gift of, of more tools, you know, in the form of awareness or education or whatever. But yeah, you bring, you bring up a really good point. We, we have been hyper-focused on like, um, you know, the, the depressive kind of side to it because that, that's what me not being a professional, not having any statistics in front of me, that's where it seems like the majority of suicides happen is like people being like suffering from depression or some type of mental illness and looking for some kind of escape, you know? Um, but yeah, then there's like those actual physical problems with it, you know, like it's still, it still goes back to like, nobody wants to be bummed out talking about it. It's just that that's kind of, that's, I mean, if there's anything that I'd like to achieve from this podcast, it's like, I kind of, I just want to normalize talking about it a little bit, you know, like I want people to feel okay saying that like, Hey, yeah, I experienced that shit too. I mean, yeah, maybe not bring it up like while, you know, you're, uh, you know, your buddy's best man is giving a speech. I was like, oh man, I think about killing myself all the time. You know, like maybe not bring it up then. There was probably a more appropriate avenue for it. But, you know, like not not feeling such such strong feelings against talking to somebody about it because it definitely helps. I, I at least have a um uh, uh I at least have one really solid confidant, my, uh, my good friend, Rachel, like she's just one of those people that like for years and years and years, like I I've always known that I can talk to her about anything and she won't judge me. She won't at at the same time, she'll lift me up without coddling me, you know? Uh, and that's a very powerful thing that you can do for your friends is to be very real about where they're at, but also just kind of widen their perspective a little bit on, on their, their existence, you know, because like you, I struggle with self-worth. Like Mm. I believe on a fundamental level, as real as this table in front of me, that I am unworthy of love. 
Yeah, don't let our egos fool you, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's so ingrained in me. Yeah. And and I, I haven't pinpointed exactly where it comes from, but I can't rationalize it away. Like sometimes I can like widen the perspective a little bit enough to like, you know, at least manage it a little bit. But for the most part, it just like it's it's just a part of my cellular structure. It's a part of my body and my spirit. Yeah. And like so often when things happen that don't go right or like maybe somebody makes a decision that is entirely impersonal, but I might interpret it in a way that validates that belief. Yeah. Oh, it's just yeah. like it's like it's confirmation bias. It's like, see, I fucking told you. Like it's a sweet little yuck nugget, isn't it? Yeah. Just something to something to feed that fucking ugly beast that wants to make everything about your life miserable. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, uh, I mean, that's see, this is the difference between us, man. Like we're, we, we have a lot of the same ideas, but yeah. dude, like it's like I'm the left brain of the, of the podcast <laughs> and you're the right brain because the way that I'm seeing it is it's like a scientific process. It's like, yeah. it's like, Oh, no, oh, got evidence. got it right here. The statistics are, oh, it's clear. Not worthy of love right there. See, yeah. Like, yeah, and you're like feeding the beast. <laughs> I love it by the way. I don't, I don't mean to say that you're not, I mean, there's definitely qualities of uh, us both, but we definitely lean hard one way. arguing with you about things is fun yeah i feel like it's good for both of us (laughs) just remember i'm always right that's fine i'm okay with that for the most part i'm like dude i don't fucking know but look over here like that's what (laughs) what these people are saying Uh, i don't know um yeah and i i do i do very much process like those sorts of things like my philosophy on Oh God, where to, where to even begin here? Um, because I do, I think that the feelings that you describe and the ones that we share in terms of like the self-worth thing, if I had to, if I were gambling on it and I don't have statistics, um, because you know, I just operate on what I feel to be true until I've got something in front of me that, that, you know, shows me that, that that's absolutely false. But, but my my assumption, my speculation is that among the most common of arguably negative feelings, self-worth issues have, have got to be a, like a top tier, probably number one sort of topic because that's the easiest thing to tarnish within a person. If you're an asshole who loves manipulating people, if you're a super narcissist who gets off on like the the like uh, the masochistic side of, of, you know, someone with uh, hardcore dependency issues, Uh, you know, it's really, really easy to, to intentionally or unintentionally fuck with the self-worth of people. Like, you know, like negging, (laughs) you know, like using that as a tool to get laid, like come the fuck on, right? Negging what's that? Negging. Like, uh, isn't that one of the principles from the game or whatever? Like using a, using a, a negative remark, um, conversationally, like at a bar with a, with a chick that you're trying to hook up with. I feel like that's uh that's one of those things that, Mm. that, uh, look it up. Negging. I've definitely, definitely seen and heard lots of, lots of conversation on the topic, but, um, yeah, it's 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 really easy to to fuck with those sorts of things, but I do also have a a really okay in terms of pain. Um, 
which is at the root of the issue of suicide. Pain emotionally um, is I, I visualize it like this ugly little beast that that acts as a as a vampire or a, or a zombie of sorts, and it's or just any you know pick your favorite you know virus or or virus focused monster, and it it just loves attaching itself to to others because it it it's like a it's like a really shitty blanket you know uh being able to spread that pain but generally speaking if you've experienced emotional pain and it's not just related to something purely outside of the hands of human beings that human related pain came from someone else and it didn't come from someone else who was experiencing nothing but happiness it came from that person's pain. There's the toilet again. We're just going to bring it up every single time because maybe you didn't even notice it, but now you're gonna, you're gonna, it's there, but it, it just, it travels generally generationally, you know, it, it's, it's something that, and I don't mean generationally in a, in a familial sense. I mean, I mean in a broader human sense, we love, hurting people when we are hurting and that's every single one of us and how much awareness we have of it, I think directly correlates to how much we don't actually enjoy it, but it's a, it's a, it's a human characteristic and I've seen it exhibited in, in people of all ages, small children, like once they have a certain level of, of consciousness of self and surrounding if if they're hurting, they're gonna lash out in some way and try and make you hurt too, and not as intensely as you know, adults or angsty teens can can be prone to doing sometimes. But that shit just travels, and and I think I think that we would all benefit on some level from recognizing that, and and when we feel that within ourselves, doing what we absolutely can to cut the head off of that motherfucker before it can go any further. I, I probably had like a, a, a much deeper point than that. I but. think that was great. Dude. That spot <laughs> that, that spun me in several directions. But yeah. one, one of them I'd like to cover is like, I'm, I'm reading a, 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 a book by, I'm going to butcher his name, like Tick not Han. So Tick spelled T H I C I think. Or, okay. Yeah. Um, he, he's a Buddhist writer and the book's called Anger Cooling the Flames. And one of the things that he talks about is when you're experiencing this anger or it could be emotional pain mm -hmm. to address it as if you are a mother tending to a child. You don't want to repress it. Like, you know, like if your child's screaming in the other room, you're not going to be like, I'll just I'll deal with that later. You know, <laughs> like you're going to go in there immediately and be like, what's wrong? And like embrace it and then comfort it with just your sheer presence that's kind of like that's kind of one of the themes that i've really gotten out of that book is that 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 sense of really um treating the emotional pain at, with presence and embracing it and understanding it as opposed to like demonizing it and pushing it away or pushing it down but there's also an interesting tendency that we have to replicate the pain that we feel unconsciously. Oh yeah. And and I don't mean like lashing out, like not as, not as direct as that. Like, like for instance, one of the weird things that I've noticed is that, um, my, my dad's parents mm -hmm. 
split when he was little. Okay. And he lived with his dad. Yeah. And he had a stepmother who was very abusive. And I'm sure in a lot of cases he felt like like the biggest piece of shit in that house because yeah. he was not hers, you know? My dad and my mom hook up. They split when they were young. Or not when they were young, when I was young. When I was uh when I was uh like two or three years old, they split. Then by like four or five, I have a new stepmother. She's abusive. And I have step siblings. I, I have one step sibling, one half sibling, both of them hers. Like she treated them with a very obvious pre- uh, mm. preference. And, sure. it, and that's one thing that really fucked me up. And it's almost like it, it's, it's weird how he had these circumstances. And in a way, he totally recreated them for me. And like I've had this conversation with Jessica Heckle. Jessica Heckle, by the way, uh, just released her album. And she's hey. uh, featured on episode five. Shout out Jessica Heckle. JessicaHeckle.com. Go get that album now. Empty Boat. Check it out. Empty Boat. Check it out. Um, so uh, she put it in a really beautiful way in one of our conversations. Uh, one of my conversations with her is that it's almost like you're, you experience this thing. And then like you just like dump it on someone else. You're like, hey you figure it out. Like, I can't figure this shit out. Like, what are you going to do with this? How how do you, how do you manage this? I I love, I love that, that like that analogy of what, like almost equating it to, uh, you know, like a family heirloom, you know, like a physical tangible thing. (laughs) And I mean, like, cause I think about it more as like, like a genetic inherited thing, but like to really bring it into the physical space mentally like this. And it's totally, it's totally 100% unconscious, but there's a lot of ways that we do the same thing. Like it's, it's baffling, but, um, I think generally dealing with, uh, with, with the type of, you know, feelings and emotions as they come up with presence is definitely a good strategy and just, um, really, really embracing it. And like one of my, one of my strategies is that I, I try to feel it in my body. Sure. Like, I'm just like, okay, where is this coming from? Like, so I start scanning. I'm like, okay, I feel tension, right? Mm-hmm. Here. Like, this is where it is, you know, like, and then I just start observing the energy. And, um, I kind of got that idea one time when I had a really heavy migraine and I just nothing I was doing was making it go away. And I was like sitting in a dark room and, and like, I was just like, where is this pain in my head? And then like, I started, okay, well, it's like right about here above my right eye. I'm like, what if it was like outside of my head, you know? And then like gradually just the awareness itself made the pain much less substantial, just like just feeling it and not, not trying to hide from it. And, um, I know I'm going all over the place here, but <laughs> no, the, this is great. The, uh, this is one of the reasons that the, the, the movie fight club is really, um, uh, really powerful to me that, that scene where, um, he, he uses the lie to burn the narrator's yeah. hand. Um, I saw this movie in, in 1999. I think I was like 13, 14 mm-hmm. at the time. And like, nearly all of the real content of the film went right over my head. I was just like stuck on the twist at the end. Like everybody else like, Whoa, didn't see that coming. But like that was that scene right there. That was a very Buddhist type scene because he's, he's inflicting this horrible burn on his hand. And immediately the narrator is like, Oh my God, he starts freaking out and he starts trying to go to some of the techniques that he learned in some of his, um, 
his uh, what are those those support group, groups support groups yes yeah. and he was trying to like go to go to my cave I'll, I'll find my power animal and he's like no this is your pain this is your pain it's right here yeah. and he's like no I'm gonna find my power animal and like um he he. It's not like at the end of that, he wasn't in pain anymore, but he, at the end of it, he was present with it. He was just sitting there looking at it and his hand was still shaking. He was still, the sensation was there, but yeah. he was present with it. And that is really powerful because sure. then you are in a different perspective. You're, you're not inside the pain anymore. You are, the pain is inside you, you know, and then you're, you're contextualizing it appropriately. Mm-hmm. And, and allow me to go on one more tangent there yeah. before before I like lose my train of thought here. But it also um, sort of harkens back. It's harkens a good word. I, I keep it's a, a great word. It's harkens. Uh, I heard it, and I think I'm using it correctly. It's one of those things. Um, but I read the book uh, "Man's Search for Meaning" by Viktor Frankl, and and this is a guy that was a psychiatrist that was in the Holocaust. Oh like, wow. That's powerful in and of itself. He was a psychiatrist before the Holocaust, but then he was in a in a concentration camp like after that. And um, I think the biggest theme of that book, spoiler alert, <laughs> not a spoiler alert. You should everybody should know this theme. But um, the biggest theme was when when a person has a purpose behind their pain. In if not all the time, most of the time, it's no longer suffering. It's pain with a lack of purpose. That is, that's the worst. That's when people lapse into true, true, like soul suffering. And the way that he illustrated that was with um, some of the people that were in there were able to endure and survive and keep going because they're like, I have to, because, um, because if I don't keep going, I'm not going to be able to see my wife and I might be able to see her. And if I stop now, I'm definitely not. Gonna. So there's a purpose there. Right. And the people that totally fell into suffering that just, you know, just got swept under. Uh, those were the people that saw no purpose for anything that was happening. They had no, there was nothing on the other side of it. There was no good reason for it. So a lot of times what helps me is when I, get into those suffering states of mind. I try to attach sometimes some type of purpose to it because ultimately us as gods, we have that ability to give purpose to anything and nothing can ever take that away from us. Like we can decide what something means. I can be in a super depressed state and decide that this is going to make me a stronger, more formidable human being. And I'm going to have much more to give because of this. Absolutely. And, and to kind of tag back on your, on your, the point that you just made just prior, I love, I love the way that, that Fred Rogers put it um, because he's someone that meant a lot to me, good old Fred. Um, But if it's mentionable, it's manageable, right? Mm. Meaning if you can, if you can shine a spotlight on it so that you can, observe where it exists, how it exists, what form it takes and what potential directions its effects can, can travel down. Then you do have a lot more presence, a lot more consciousness within that moment. And you do have the opportunity to make a decision and funnel it into something like fuel. And just to bring it back to the initial point of, of having this on our platform here is forging flame. Some of the best goddamned art I've ever experienced in my life is a direct result of funneling pain into 
something visual or oral and, and being able to receive the story that that other person is, is sharing. And again, it, it's definitely hard to, to ask for help. It's hard to ask for pain, but maybe you don't need to directly ask for help. Maybe the answer to your problems is just on the other side of, of airing it out and, and sharing it in a, in a more passive, but much more beautiful way than lashing out or falling down a hole or committing an act of, of tragic finality, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, art's a, art's a beautiful, beautiful thing in that way, man. It really is. And, um, to jump back on another conversation that I had with Jessica, um, like we, we talked a lot about a lot of stuff like sure. but like uh, of course we got into our own upbringings and stuff mm-hmm. and she had a rough upbringing man i'm, I'm not going to go into and spread, uh, share her personal details or anything like that but she she had it rough as a as a kid in a way that most kids don't um and i'm just like it kind of baffled me she's telling me this stuff i'm just like you're telling me this like this seems like something that somebody that's like really, really, really messed up. This is like something. Something's not adding up here because you're an amazing human being. Mm. Something's not adding up. And she revealed that you know her her grandmother had a big influence on her artistic kind of push and inspired her in a lot of ways. And I think that's beautiful. But one of the things that she also said about that is that our experiences. Like everything that happens to us, everything that's provided or not provided for us, like it's all just paint. It means nothing in and of itself. The only thing that matters with it is what you do with it. She referred to it as paint, as raw materials. Absolutely. And the paint means nothing. It's like, what what are you going to do with that? You know, like no matter how bad it gets, it's still energy at some level and in in most situations you still have the freedom to do something with it you can channel it in a way you can channel it into art that's why art therapy is a very is a very big deal i don't know much about it but it seems like it would be very effective in in helping a lot of people it's certainly been effective for me it's a it's like artwork has always been a very uh cathartic thing for me like whenever I make something and I feel like I hit the nail on the head. I, it's, at that point, I don't care if anybody likes it or not, you know, because there, there's a dirty side to me as an artist that wants everybody <laughs> to like my shit. Sure. But when I feel like, no, that's, that's definitely it. I couldn't have executed that better. I executed that. That's, that's what the thing is, you know, that's, that's it. You know, that's when I've taken the raw materials in front of me, this pain, this circumstance, and I've channeled it into a way that just makes it something else. You know, mm-hmm. it just mo- moves it along because I mean, one of the, one of the Buddhist understandings of karma, karma is so misunder- uh, misinterpreted nowadays. I feel like as far as its traditional understanding, sure. most people think karma and they think, oh, bad if, things happen to bad people. Yeah. Bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people. Well, if you take a fucking look around, you will see that in a lot of cases, that's not true. Yep. Buddhists in the traditional sense, they describe karma as a blind machine. 
it the wheel the wheel yeah the blind wheel that's what it was and it's also uh, yeah blind wheel yeah we, we we got it from the same source so um yeah so do you know what his source? do you remember what his source was nope he was just reference his daughter that um, was his like his like six or ten year old daughter she, dropped that shit on him. No, he that that's how he described it to her. What what mm-hmm. happened was it was uh, it was a story told by Robert Anton Wilson in his book Cosmic Trigger. He had this um, God, and it's like fucking. I, I don't mean to be overly relevant to the times that we're in right now because there's quite honestly there's a lot of racial tension right now, and like I I don't. I usually try to steer clear of that stuff because I don't want to leave the wrong impression with anybody. You know, like I just try to show up in a way that, you know, that that's, that's positive in every sense of the word, but this is relevant in a way because what happened was, um, his daughter, a a white girl was jumped by a group of black kids Mm -hmm. and she was fucked up about it because she had never she said she never did anything wrong towards these people and she totally didn't deserve it and and robert anton wilson was also fucked up about it because he understood that and this was like this was back in the 70s too Mm -hmm. so um he understood at least conceptually where some of that is coming from and he's you know he explained it to her that like karma's a blind wheel you did not pay for your sins but you paid for the sins of people white people that are completely unrelated to you in the past you know and it's generated these set, set of circumstances so the basically what he's getting at is when you are when you do something negative or you do something positive it's not that those feeling that energy necessarily comes back to you, um, but that it moves on in a mm-hmm. way. So if like I get like a like a ripple of, of, of a, from a water droplet, exactly, it, it keeps it going. So if I do something nice for somebody, they are more likely going to do something nice to somebody else. If I do something mean to somebody, they're going to be more likely to be mean to somebody else. It's mm-hmm. going to just it's going to keep going in some way or another. It's just that energy just keeps moving. And what she said, like what happened was a day went by and she was like totally fine and she was chipper and he was like, what, what's the deal? Like, you, you okay? She's like, yeah, I just decided to stop the wheel. I just decided to stop it. You know, like, and he, and he was like blown away how profound that was for this kid to decide that like, no, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stop it. I'm not going to keep that shit going. Like stopping your own like wheel of karma because it spins and it spins and it doesn't necessarily spin for or against you. No, the way I, and I, I love, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that I developed this, this sort of like visualized mindset about these sorts of things because of, because of that book and that, that portion of it. But I, I luckily enough um, and, and thankfully enough, because I'm not, very talented artistically in any sort of like a, a visual or a musical capacity. Um, but I'm, I'm lucky enough that I'm able to, to manage the darkest of my emotions, generally speaking with, with conversation, uh, with people that, that care about me because oftentimes if it's, if it's real bad, I wear that shit on my sleeve. I, I try my best to avoid it, but you know, you can just, see it in my eyes apparently. But, um, so I, I, I do that, but I, but I have, I, I engage in like a visualization practice as well because I can't bear to live within those feelings that, that get me really, really down 
And some of it's, you know, very much a sense of obligation to others because I don't ever want to, and it's like, it's tied into the self-worth thing. I don't want to feel like the reason why people are upset. And I wish that that were coming from a place of like more positivity, but it's absolutely related to like, like, I, I don't want, I don't want the, like the, the negative attention. I, I want to, I want to serve because, you know, I, I feel like that's what, what I deserve. I don't, I don't know. But, um, the point that I'm getting to is, is I visualize just because of like the, the cyclical and spherical nature of everything, be it the wheel of karma or like the bubble structure of an electron. It's, it's all a bunch of moving wheels, spheres, bubbles, whatever, that are operating off of momentum. And some of it is momentum that is coming down through, through the bloodline. Some of it is momentum that uh, is coming from just the motion of human history and all of the shitty things that we've done to each other as just beings in a space that exist on different sides of different imaginary lines or momentum coming from, you and your own past trauma and how that has propelled you forward and, and influence your decision-making. But it's like, if you can, if you can put yourself in like a matrix esque space and you can think about that one isolated thing, that one emotion, and you kind of visualize yourself running around on a well-worn track and it's just a short fucking circle, but that circle has a whole lot of momentum behind it and that track gets worn into a rut eventually and it has broader sweeping implications in terms of how it influences the decisions that you make to come but if you can see yourself on that track and see that there are other tracks that are a hell of a lot less worn and a hell of a lot more inviting and filled with a whole lot more positivity and love then you can mentally conceptually you can stop hop the fuck onto one of those other rings and start that momentum again and you can it'll take some like shoving you know mm-hmm. because it kind of feels like it's uphill consistently for a while even though it's just the same like bubbly 360 degree like multi-dimensional <laughs> loop but you can jump onto another track mm-hmm. that's a that's a good way to put it that it's that momentum you know just like that you really do have to shove it to begin and that's really how like any habits kind of start is yeah. with that type of momentum moving something forward um one of the things that helps me when I'm in kind of dark spaces is to do something that shakes things up a little bit to gets me that gets me out of this state. I love that your wind chimes are going off by the way. That's yeah. great. Um, that's my great grandmother talking to me every nice. time. Nice. All those, right. Those came from her place once she passed. Nice. Perfect. <laughs> um, something that shakes up my state. So for me, what works for me is a really, really intense workout. And yeah. that's really hard to get that momentum going, especially yeah. if you are in one of those really depressed states. It's really hard to get up the motivation and go and fucking do it. But like it really has a 
a profound impact doing things like that. Sometimes a really cold shower really helps mm-hmm. because it shocks you out of your current state. So something um, Tony Robbins talks about this a lot about changing your state, doing something like yeah. exercise, breathing exercises, doing something with your breath to shift things up a little bit. Cold plunges. Um, what else could uh, uh, maybe sitting in a sauna for a while, yeah. like sweat lodge, sweat lodge, anything like that can can jar you out of your your current state and gets to where you at least have some more openness to get some momentum going in another yeah. way. And sometimes that's 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 difficult. You know, sometimes it's real difficult to to get those first movements going. Sometimes it's diff- It's not easy, but sometimes it's really simple. You know, like. That's that's a way that you can look at it. Like, I've tried, I've tried a ton of weird shit to like <laughs> deal with my like depression and anxiety. I've done some weird shit. That'll be the topic of another episode. No, we're not going to get too far into that. <laughs> and I say weird shit like there's something. That, it's not okay. It's not that weird. It's just weird that if you see it, and you don't understand the context of what I'm doing. Like the you you be like, what the fuck is he doing? But like, <laughs> It's not like, it's not like the creepy uncle weird, nothing like that. Okay. Um, but I've done some, some weird stuff. One of the most effective exercises that I've ever done was having to do with gratitude. And it goes back to what we were saying about perspective. And, and the reason is because when you're in that state, you, gratitude doesn't enter your brain anymore. Like I would say in a normal, healthy brain, you kind of have a bit of balance, you know, you have a bad, you know, sometimes the things are shitty, but oh, hey, it's it's okay. My, my, my TV shows on whatever, you know, like, <laughs> but like when you're in that state, it's all bad. The universe turns dark, you know, and there's no, there's no purpose. There's no reason. Like what helped me was doing a med- a meditation practice that kind of got me present that got me kind of like situated in where I am in space time, like where I am in the country, what, what neighborhood I'm in, like really kind of, all right, here I am. Okay. I'm, I'm right here. And then just bringing up things that I feel grateful for and sh- changing it up all the time and really, and not just thinking about it, but feeling it, feeling my gratitude in my, in my body. And, um, like, and it can be, it can be profound. It can be, like something big, like I'm grateful for, you know, my parents or I'm grateful for my friends or a specific person. Um, or it can be something simple, like, like I'm grateful for the way that these leaves look on this tree. I'm grateful for llamas. I'm grateful for <laughs> turtles. Like, you know, it, any, any little thing. And just the, the point is like feeling it. And I think doing that just broadens your perspective a little bit. It's just like, so if you are in this like severely depressed state where it's just this black fucking hole, well, now you have a black hole and a pin of light and then a black hole and another pin of light. And yeah. it's just like you, you, you start accumulating those. And if it becomes habit and you do that every single day, eventually like it, you just have a bigger picture of things and it's not all shit. <laughs> that's, yeah. It's that's, remarkable how few of those pinpoints of light it takes to illuminate a pretty fucking dark space too. Yeah. As long as they're coming in from different directions, it's like, a, you know, I can actually see in here. Yeah. I was like <laughs> like wow. there's that fucking thing I keep stubbing my toe on. You know? <laughs> I can see it now. It's got shape and I can get it the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's scope. Exactly. Putting things in balance. And I I love that you said that too, because there was a, a, I mentioned, you know, the dissolution of my, of my business. That was very much my baby. 
I loved it. And lots of other people did too. It was just like a validation factory for me. Right. Uh, which is a hard thing to lose when it, when it brings you so much, uh, so many feelings of the self-worth that you lack. Right. But that's exactly the thing that got me through that was that gratitude exercise. Um, and I think that I was, I think that I was writing it down. I was, I was going through like a, uh, uh, like a journaling and meditation and, and, uh, like calisthenics regimen every morning, just like 45 minutes or an hour, right. As soon as I wake up, you know, uh, just do some like mind clearing, like grounding meditation, not trying to focus with any specific intention other than just like, just like getting to just getting, establishing a level. And then, um, after that, then, then getting into the journaling and it was just free writing, but, but at the tail end of that, it was, it was three things every single day, three things that I'm grateful for. And there was a part of me that like almost thought of it as like a goofy sort of a thing. Like, uh, like thanks, like, you know, like sitting around the Thanksgiving table with the, with the family and like talking about like, you know, as someone who doesn't necessarily believe in any sort of a traditional Judeo-Christian ideal of like a God being like, how do I do this without like going there? Well, you know, it's, it's not insignificant at all to have clean water to drink. Yeah. It's not insignificant at all to have daily transportation to my place of employment. It's not insignificant at all that I've got electricity coursing through the walls of my home or that my fridge is full or that my children are happy and they've got clean clothes to wear. And I mean, pick a thing. If you, I mean, some of those are far more than pinpoints. If you can just, you can just make yourself do that. And I mean, you know, at a certain point, right? Like what we're talking about now, that's going to, that's going to be a pretty tall ask, like asking someone who's, who's knocking on the door of, of ending their own life, you know, to sit down and do a gratitude exercise, but shit, you know, maybe you can prevent ever getting there Mm -hmm. if you can make that at least a semi-frequent practice. And maybe it's just one thing. Maybe you're just taking a shower and like, all right, I need one thing to be thankful for today because this is the one thing that's going to save my fucking life, Mm -hmm. you know? And maybe it's just a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, doesn't matter anything. Any, any little thing it does. The thing itself does not matter as long as you can think about it. And if you can regard it with like reverence, if you can feel it in your body, I usually feel it in my chest. My chest gets really warm when I think about how grateful I am with something. And I can do it with something as simple as this fan over here. You can't see it on the, on the thing. It's a regular fan. I can feel grateful for that fan. It's got some dust on it. I'm not mm-hmm. too grateful about that. You should probably clean that. Nick yeah, but I know. <laughs> like it's designed like it's, it's the, the wire frame around it and designed so carefully yet. That's clearly not an expensive fan. And goddamn, when you need it, that thing is pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> and I'm feeling it right now. Just, just thinking about it. Yeah. And honestly, right now I'm kind of out of my, my routine you know, as mm-hmm. far as like gratitude exercises go, but I'm not like in a dark place or anything like that. But when you get in that routine again, sometimes not easy, but simple, like it's a simple task. When you get in that routine, you start getting in the habit of, of being grateful for things that happen in the moment. Like, yeah. Like it's so easy. Negativity is gravity. It's fucking easy. Like it requires no effort. Like 
gratitude. You got, you got to you got to push that a little bit. You, sure. you got to push that stone up the hill, but eventually it goes on its own on the way down. And like, I, I can find any number of reasons to be upset about something and oh boy, I can pick at that all day. But like when something cool happens, like I try to stop myself and go like, that was really cool right there. That was awesome that, um, I didn't hit this bicyclist with my car <laughs> that just came out in front of me, you know, like that was awesome because boy, my life would suck right now if <laughs> he went two inches to the left, you know, eat, like any number of things. It just, just really recognizing when something cool happens, like, oh, wow, yeah, that was awesome. It doesn't have to be a big yeah. thing. And the great, the great thing about gratitude too, at least as it relates to the topic of suicide is that if you are able to even, you know, work yourself into feeling gratitude for just about anything, then the notion of suicide almost becomes like something that you feel like an asshole forever feeling. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got clean water, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and like, I've, I've had that, that sort of thought too. Like, man, how the hell could I have ever let myself feel like that dark or that deep when I genuinely have like so much available that so many others don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, back to perspective, the struggles of others don't necessarily invalidate the struggles of ours. No. Even if you were to put them on some sort of a cosmic scale, right? Because it doesn't necessarily matter how heavy the individual thing is. If what it puts forth is as heavy as fucking dark matter, right? like, it's, that's some pretty weighty shit. So I, yeah, that's a point. I, yeah. I, lo I lost my train of thought. I was about to tail <laughs> onto that, but I spaced out, looked at the looked at the time. We're about at a hour and a quarter. Yeah. Remind me one more time where, where you were right before you finished the point. We were talking about gratitude and and how like the thought of uh, I was I was stating that like to me if I can feel gratitude then the the thought of ever entertaining the idea of right. suicide makes me feel like an asshole. Oh, okay, yeah, and you were you were saying that how um, you know your pain doesn't. Uh, I mean, like the, someone else's weight like of the, dark matter. Yeah. The, the suffering of somebody else being more exceptional that that's, the, that's not necessarily, um, you know, that's doesn't, it doesn't invalidate, take, this, it doesn't invalidate right. your, yeah. It doesn't invalidate your own suffering. Um, but with me, it still helps me put things in perspective. Yeah. Like when, like when I start losing my temper over something that sure. is really trivial because that, those are the only things that really bother me in terms of anger. Yeah. Like something huge can happen and I am cool as a cucumber and the cool side of a pillow, man, I'm fine. <laughs> but man, like an accumulation of little things, you would think I'm a psychopath, but, um, <laughs> um, but sometimes it helps me to, to, to again, look at that bigger picture and understand that like, that I'm taking things for granted that many people on this planet to this day would kill for. You know, there are still people that do not have access to clean water and that frequently have to bury their kids because of preventable waterborne diseases. That's something I, I think about a lot and it's dark, but at the same time, it's just like it puts things into perspective. That's a real thing and it's still happening. And so some people that may not help some people that would just make them feel worse. But to me, it's just like, dude, I shit in clean water every day. 
I can drink that water in there. Like yeah. I, I could totally, it's clean enough to drink to where I wouldn't get diseases. Like, I mean, if I keep the toilet clean and I do, right. but like, you <laughs> if know, it's got skid marks, maybe best to be avoided. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but dude, like people would kill to drink the water in my toilet. Yeah. And I'm freaking out because my computer did a thing that was a little slow but when I'm trying to work, you know, like it's like I'm kind of a dick for that in that <laughs> case, you know. But yeah, it goes back to perspective. Again, you know, the suffering others uh, uh, doesn't invalidate your own, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but just widening the perspective can all, always – I fail to see a circumstance where it hurts, you know what I mean? Unless you're widening the perspective on dark shit, like if you're in a, on a dark bend Try, and you're trying just trying to rationalize it. pedophilia, <laughs> yeah, and you're just going down that road, like yeah, maybe not, but like, but widening it to to see that there are other things besides what's going on in your head, because sometimes it doesn't seem like there's anything else. So it's just like, well, here we are. This is how it goes. But um. But yeah, I think we can start wrapping it up. There, there are a couple more things I wanted to touch on. Um, first of all, I highly recommend uh, Tim Ferriss's blog on the subject. I think he called. Uh, I think it's called "Some Practical Thoughts on Suicide," mm. and um, that's an excellent blog. It's excellently written. Basically, when he was going to Princeton, he uh, got overwhelmed and he quickly went into the planning phase of of suicide. And the way that he frames things is very. Um, very eloquently worded. And I think a lot of people have gotten a lot of benefit from that particular blog. So just Google that and you'll find it. Um, One of the biggest takeaways for me, and we kind of touched on this earlier is that one of the reasons that most people want to commit suicide is they want to be alleviated from their pain. But he makes the point that that pain doesn't go away. You multiply it by 10 and you give it to everybody that loves you the most. And that sucks. Like that's like, you know, it's uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, it really is your responsibility to do something about that. You know, like in the end, it it, it is. It's not that simple, but it is. And it's important to remember that, especially when you start getting close to that and you start feeling like a burden and you just know that all these people that you care for the most, that cares for you the most – that you're giving all this shit and you're fucking plopping it on their front door and you're going to make them clean it up. You know what I mean? And and it's traumatizing. It's traumatizing for the rest of their life, you know, and they're going to have to deal with that. And there, there's no great way to look at it, but it at least helps you understand the what's at stake here. It's not just you, you know, in, in those States, it seems like it's just you because you really are the center of the universe. You really are the, 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 zero point of your experiences you're the absolute center of the universe but it still affects other parallel universes you know so no one in your life is going to be better off if you cease to exist right unless of course you are physically abusing them in some sort of a horrific way yeah maybe then it's arguable (laughs) but even at that point i would say if you truly feel bad about the really fucked up and despicable things you've done to other people, go turn yourself in (laughs) and don't jump off of the bridge or swallow all of the pills. Just go hand yourself over to the appropriate authorities so you can show the world that you actually feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) 
as much as I'd love to say otherwise. And at a different point in my life, I absolutely would have. Yeah. And these are extreme circumstances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. These are like, you know, fucking, yeah. I'm not even going to get go, too far into that. Going going way too far to try and make light of a really fucked up scenario. Sorry, yeah, guys. That's, yeah, that's what you get. You're listening to our podcast. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> Forge of Flames like a box of chocolates. Um, so one other thing I wanted to share before we, before we head out of here. Um, th- this is advice that I've n- – not for advice for the person suffering, but – um, this is, I think it's pretty well, um, understood as like pretty official advice for dealing with somebody that may be suicidal and it's asking two questions. It's outright asking them, are you having suicidal thoughts? Then they'll say yes or no. Mm-hmm. If they say yes, asking them, do you have a plan? So that, that does two things. Um, and, and again, I am not a professional on it. I do know that like that professionals do recommend that that's the way that you approach it because you are, you're, you're taking the bull head on. You're taking the bull by the horns. You're, you're going, you're directly, you're directly interacting with it. Um, you're not dancing around the subject. It's going straight to the point. Are you having suicidal thoughts? And it's getting the dialogue going. Then asking, do you have a plan? gives you an idea of the severity of the situation that you're in. If somebody has a plan, then it's pretty far along. You know what I mean? You're, sure. you're, you're in muddy waters then. Yeah. A lot of people, they don't get that far. And I've, I, I've, I've been struggling with this for most of my life. I don't think I've ever gotten to the point where I had a specific plan. Like it was just like, it was a fantasy. It mm-hmm. was, um, do you ever do research? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've done, done research, but, uh, never decided on a plan mostly cause like, I'm too scared to like that. I'll fuck myself up. And like, honestly, right. this is one of the reasons that I don't have a firearm and I don't like having a firearm because it makes that decision too easy. Sure. You know, when that decision, because I can get in manic States, I can get in crazy States where I am not thinking clearly yeah. when I make that decision way too, way too easy as far as just pulling a trigger that makes me nervous. You know, like I'm, I'm not going to say I'm ever going to do it or no, but you know, like it's just, I don't like how easy that is. I should have to, I should be at least mildly inconvenienced. By yeah, there there need to be a few steps involved yeah. <laughs> at a bare minimum. Make sure your suicide plan has at least <laughs> three steps. Yeah. Okay. Fuck. Come, come talk to us. You need a plan. We're consultants. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. We're professionals. Cut that out. That was terrible. (laughs) No, you're fine. Um, so what, again, gallows humor, we joke about some fucked up shit here, but I think, I think people will sense that we, you know, the listener will sense that we have that, that sincerity, you know, that, that we give a shit. And, um, like, like I said, if you, if you have somebody that's likely suffering, asking those two questions, will start the dialogue and it, it, and it will at least, help you assess how uh, how intense the situation is and i've called the suicide hotline before for other people like because like i didn't know how to deal with the situation i didn't know what to do and that's been helpful so like if you know somebody that may be experiencing like suicidal thoughts or that intense state of suffering even calling the hotline yourself or texting someone yourself can at least arm you with a few tools on on how you can deal with it and i definitely you know despite my own experiences with psychiatrists and counselors and stuff like 
I don't want to discount the the uh, the efficacy of those. And in some in some situations, uh, the, the the correct answer is you know that combined with medication yeah. or some. Uh, what what helps me anyway, like my personal thing, what helps me the most is having a routine. And I think that comes from a long line of people in the military in my family. There's something like in my DNA that craves that really stable routine. Like I wake up at the same time and I do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and it's very predictable. It grounds me, you know, um, and, and then, then I can go from there. But you know, uh, visiting a counselor, visiting a psychiatrist, maybe, maybe this correct solution, maybe medication is the correct solution, but you'll never know until you, you, you actually try the, the first most important thing for any, uh, for any sort of therapy to be effective is you have to be motivated to change. Yeah. You can't just be like, eh, I don't want to change. I went to a therapist when I was uh, 17 years old. My dad caught me cutting the shit out of my arm. Like he made me go to therapy. How effective do you think that was? Like making your kid go to a therapist, like making him like the, the question never was like, do you want to not be depressed anymore? It was just like, he saw a problem and he tried to solve it. So we're going to put you on Lexapro and we're going to make you go talk to this guy. It's like trying to get a kid to stop crying by yelling at him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you something to cry about. Son of a bitch. (laughs) Jesus. But anyway, any, any, um, additional closing thoughts my brother in arms, Nick Hinton. And I, I feel like there are, there are a million little tendrils of of like, you know, bits of anecdotes and and perspectives and and whatnot that we could get down. But what I will say is that <laughs> shit. If if you've got nowhere else to turn, reach out to us. Yeah, like I mean, I, no no joke. I mean, I know that it's, it's, it's a ridiculous thing, but send a, send a DM, send an email, forging flame podcast at gmail.com. If you genuinely feel judged by every other person in your life and the Google search bar is just looking at you weird. I mean, what, whatever, any, any way that, that we can point you in the right, the right direction, you know, we're both, I think absolutely willing as you know silly as a thing as it might seem to say but yeah absolutely willing but man i'm gonna have to say that you're 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 far more effective in that role than i am because i always (laughs) i i tend to say the wrong things a lot but um but nick nick has been one of those guys that i've gone to over the years like maybe not outright like hey bro i'm thinking of hanging myself like (laughs) Maybe not outright like that, but you trying like, to come too. Yeah, oh, not <laughs> like, that kind. Sorry, let's, let's go. <laughs> Might as well experiment before I head out. No, um, um, but Nick has been one of those guys that like I can I can talk to about anything that like you know he's not going to judge me for it. You know, like there's there's not a judgmental bone in this guy's body. <laughs> so um, yeah, feel free to feel free to hit us up if there's nothing else. Like you know. Like, and, and let us know if this helped you at all. If this was at yes. all like beneficial, like I'm not one to really put like the feelers out there saying, Oh man, like, and subscribe, give me some validation. But no man, like if this, this was helpful for you. Cool. Like if, uh, if our humor was a little too fucked up, understandable, let us know, I guess. I mean, I really, it's not going mean, to, I'm not going to stop. Yeah, <laughs> right. keep being, of course. We're, we're fucked up people, but we come by it honestly. And we actually care. Yeah. Even if we don't know you, even if you're kind of a fuck hole, all of that is cool because life is hard, but everything can 
and hopefully will be better if you just give it some time, you step back a little bit, maybe adjust your perspective in whatever means necessary. But uh, I think it's probably worth mentioning um, again just to to – uh, refresh people because even if even if you'd be embarrassed to share this episode with someone that you know is going through some shit and needs something very passive to to you know try and get through to them um maybe there's a maybe there's a a morsel in there that might be of some benefit so what was the name of the guy that uh, that wrote that I that very prose yeah, prosy blog. Um, understanding the urge to die by Jeff Foster. Let's go ahead and just include this in the blog. Yeah, we'll throw we'll, we'll throw, throw the link entire in there. thing. Oh, uh, just go I, ahead and copy I, and paste I don't it. Know. Shit, why not? Yeah, we'll just copy and paste. I mean, we're yeah. attributing his his words. I, I don't know where this came from. Uh, I mean, well, I, I did say I got it from Tumblr, but yeah. I don't know the source of it. I think it was just like a blog that he put out at some point, sure. and then it just got moved around the internet. But um, definitely, this is a. At least it's reframing the problem a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think it can help, you know, it's just like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. I want to live. What do I want, man? I want fucking, I, I don't want like this. Like, you know, I want yeah. something better. But yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll put that in the blog. Um, so you can you can read it there. And then obviously everybody knows oh, this is a national suicide hotline, you know, like. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a, it is a thing and it could be helpful and it could be, you know, like it could be, it could save your life. Um, I wouldn't not recommend it. And we're thankful you're alive. We're thankful you're alive. We want you to keep being alive so that you can make beautiful things. Yeah. I'm thankful you're alive, Ryan. Yeah. I'm thankful uh, thankful you're alive too. Even, even though I can't, uh, uh, say (laughs) consonants sometimes. That's okay. Even though you have a hard time expressing it, I still feel it. Yeah. (laughs) Love you. Yeah, I love you. Yeah, I have a hard time with uh, the words. Sure, the words part of it, but like you, you feel it. I feel feel it it. when I'm when I'm around. We hope you feel it. We hope you feel it too. All right, have a have a good day and a good weekend, everybody. We will catch you next time. Bye bye.